Check one, check two. Is anybody out there? Hello, alone. Is anybody out there? Uh, this is the Sneaky Emu. Thank you for being here today. This is episode number 32. Mom, thanks for listening. Also, I, I do need to give a, a real quick shout out to um, some uh, some of my um, friends, some listeners here that reached out to me this, uh, this past week. And um, they're getting married. And I don't know if I should if I should say who they are, but, um, so I won't, so don't get your hopes up, but some lovely people that have decided to get married, uh, who support, um, support what we're doing. And I'm just so excited for them. And the really cool thing is they asked me to do the wedding. So, um, I'm really, really excited for that. So congratulations to you guys. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, look forward to that. So keep me posted. Um, sometime later this year, we're going to be doing a little, a uh, wedding on the beach. So that'll be awesome. Um, now, episode 32, we're calling um, Jesus, Costco, and the beauty of the beyond. <laughs> like, that's a fun title. That should, I mean, you would think that you would listen to this. Um, now, uh, I kind of came to the realization that I think and this is this is the statement that the whole message is going to be based on <laughs> that Jesus is like the sample kiosks at Costco. Yeah, there you have it. That's that's the whole message. Jesus is like the sample kiosk at Costco. Said no one ever. But I think there is some like some deep truth hidden in such a ridiculous statement. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want you to, I want to start with um, something John says at the end of his gospel. Okay, so John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Uh, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so let me read that first bit again. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Jesus performed many other signs that are not written down. Well, but I thought the Bible contained everything we needed to know about Jesus, right? Um, does this mean that there is truth from the life of Jesus that extends beyond what the Bible teaches us about him. This, this is a this is a really incredible statement um, from John here. Uh, not only does it speak to the idea that the work in the life of Jesus is not limited to what the Bible tells us, it also speaks to the idea that John picked and chose what he wanted us to know. Right, um, John specifically chose which of the stories of the life of Jesus he wanted us to read and that he wanted to pass on to people. Um, like, kind of makes you wonder though, what else could there be? What what else did he do that we have no idea? Did he ever do any like little miracles as like party tricks just for fun? I mean, I know he turned right the water into wine. That's like the first sign. Um, but did he do other cool stuff? Did Jesus invent the pinata? 
<laughs> and it was filled with all kinds of treats from all around the world that people have yet to experience. I don't know. Did he ever like, um, uh, you know, I just, the, the possibilities are endless. If, if you have the ability to manipulate water into wine, um, yeah, if you have the ability to bring somebody back from the dead, like what else was on the table? What else could there have been? What else is John not telling us? I'm a bit curious as to the whole thing, but I, I love this phrase, many other signs that are not written down in this book, that are not recorded in this book. Um, now, however many signs that we see in the Gospels, like in, in, in the John, in the Gospel of John, there's like eight if you include the resurrection, which um, which is is a really cool kind of thing too, if you know any of that kind of uh, story about the, the, the eight miracles. Um, I'll, 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 I'll summarize this as quickly as possible. Um, John actually like kind of um, lists and points out and records and numbers the, the miracles that he records in his gospel. So you'll see, I think it, I think it talks about, yeah, this is the first one. This is the second one. This is another one, but he makes it very clear. So you can count that there are seven, seven miracles that he records in the book uh, before the resurrection. And then the resurrection would be like the eighth miracle. Now, what's interesting about this is kind of what it's speaking to, like the like what Jesus was doing through the resurrection. If you remember uh, in the Easter stories, it talks about when the women went to the tomb and it talks about how it was early in the morning on the first day, on the first day of the week. Um, so in the Bible, the number there, the number seven is a sign of, of completeness and wholeness and fullness. So a week being seven days is a complete week. So there are seven miracles in the Gospel of John. And then on the eighth day, the first day of the new week, seven days is a week, the, an eighth day would be the new week, would be a new Monday. On the eighth day, early in the morning, there is resurrection. There is things that were dead or brought back to life. So this idea of um, is, is really cool to me that he makes the resurrection the eighth miracle, which is this symbol of something that is new, something that is starting fresh, uh, that's connected to the idea of Jesus' death, burial, and then ultimately resurrection. Really, really, at least I think, is kind of neat. Now, um, again... John says, there was many other signs that are not recording in this book. If you take all of the, um, all eight of his, and then if you, I mean, if you go, want to go ahead and include the ones in the other gospels, it's not, it's not, everything he did is not there. So there's more, like potentially a lot more. The miracles that, that Jesus performs that are recorded in the book are, are kind of just like scratching the surface. The miracles that Jesus performed that are recorded in the book, um, uh, that are recorded in the book of John, are just a sample of like the bigger picture. Are just a sample of everything that he would have been up to. Uh, for many Christians, the moment that you begin to speak of things like beyond their um, going beyond the Bible, um, there seems to be a bit of a, a default response. Maybe some fear, maybe a bit of a little bit of trepidation. Maybe um, I've even heard uh, some people get 
one guy was telling me he was talking to his dad about this passage and his dad was really struggling with this idea like um and, and kind of began to accuse him of like uh not being true to the scriptures and stuff like that you see um the minute that you say uh yeah but this isn't it <laughs> yeah but there is more um people seem to get a bit uncomfortable the problem is that john himself says or speaks about things being that, that there's more beyond what is written down um and the way he speaks uh, uh, uh the way he speaks of the work and the signs and the miracles of jesus lets us know that everything that we love that we've fallen in love with and cling to and admire about the gospel of john and the life of jesus it's it's not all there is this book does not contain the entirety of the work in the life of jesus so jesus is bigger than the bible the work of jesus goes beyond the bible right uh it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like the sample kiosk at costco <laughs> I told you it was a ridiculous statement, but stay with me. Um, right? Who doesn't love free samples? We all love the free samples. Um, free samples are great. I, I personally get I, I love the idea of it. I get a little uh I get a little nervous. I, I don't know why. I just do. Cut me some slack. Um, but the samples, the samples, what do they do? They give you this taste. They give you a little taste of something um that they want you to buy, right? Here, try try this. You can you can see if you like it, and then you can go buy the product, right? And 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 the these uh, stores are bigger. I mean, they're just massive stores: Costco, Sam's, BJ's, whatever. They're absolutely massive stores. Uh, in fact, I remember um, my my dad was telling me uh, he's he's been in the ministry for longer than I've been alive, literally. And, um, at one point they, he lived nearby a, a Costco or something. And so he, <laughs> if people from the church wanted to meet with him, he would occasionally meet at Costco and then they would go to like the cafe food area and buy a soda and like a pretzel or something. And then they'd just wander through the giant store and talk and have lunch by eating the samples, <laughs> which is uh really quite brilliant and funny it reminds me of like the old ladies who put um sweet and low packets in their purse you know who like steal condiments from restaurants but it's not really stealing because it's a free sample right so is there a gray line is there a black and white to this or is it just all kind of gray i don't know so um do you have any idea how massive these these stores are Right. Like, I mean, we know that we know they're big, but like, how big are they? So the average cost, uh, the average size of a Costco is uh, one hundred and forty four thousand five hundred square feet, according to uh, something that I found somewhere. The average size square footage of a of a store like Costco is one hundred and forty four thousand five hundred square feet. To give you perspective, if your brain can't really register like that exactly, the average house in America is 2,300 square feet. 2,300 square feet. Your house may be bigger. Your house may be smaller. I don't care. I'm just telling you the average. Um, so the average house in America is 2,300 square feet. So 
a Costco is roughly the equivalent of 62 average size, average size houses. <laughs> oh, they're absolutely huge. Or it's also approximately the size of one square block in New York City. I mean, it's just massive. You ever been to New York City? You ever tried to walk a couple blocks? Like, it's not that easy. So these stores are absolutely huge. Now, let's say, let's say you go to Costco because you're in desperate need of some new socks, but you don't just want a pair of socks. Let's say you're having a real sock, sock emergency and you want to buy socks in bulk. <laughs> you need 200 pairs on the same day. Um, so you go to the store and you're, you're, um, you know, you're struck with the sheer size of a place like this. Uh, and before you begin your three-day hike to the sock section, you see that there's a sample kiosk along the way. And so you stop at the sample kiosk, and they're serving on this particular day at this particular kiosk, they're serving a sampling of cheese. I don't know why I picked cheese. Let's just roll with it. Um, and you sample the cheese, and it's not just any cheese. This is the greatest little chunk of cheese that you have ever tasted in the entirety of your life. Each bite, each little toothpick that you pick up and place in your mouth, each bite is like a tiny slice of heaven on your tongue. So you have one sample, and then you have another, and then you walk down an aisle and you come back and have another and then you put on a disguise and you have another uh, and you make up your mind that, you know, this is this is all you want. This cheese is so good. You just want to stay here at the cheese kiosk. You decide, forget the socks. I'm sticking with the cheese and you make and, and you set up shop at the cheese counter at the cheese kiosk and you just kind of stay there. Now, the sample kiosk offers um it occupies like a tiny spot in a, in a massive store. The sample kiosk offers the tiniest taste of a larger product, of a much larger block of cheese. The sample kiosk isn't meant to be the end of your experience. The sample kiosk is meant to open you up to all the wonder and all the goodness of that which is beyond the kiosk, right? There's more to the store than the kiosk, and there's more to that cheese than the sample. So what's the point? <laughs> Why are we talking so much about Costco? Um, the point is that what we know of Jesus is just a sample, right? What did the book of John say? that he's done many other signs that are not recorded in this book. And even in the book of John, where there is uh, eight miracles listed, there's a whole lot more. These eight miracles are just the sample of who Jesus was and what he was capable of doing. I mean, it, it's pretty incredible to think that everything that we know and love about the scripture and about Jesus, and especially when it comes to the gospel and what he was up to, it's incredible to think that like th there's so much more. There there's the potential for so much more. Like 
what we know of Jesus is just a sample. Jesus came for us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus came to open us up to the depths and the beauty of what it means to be human and to help us get a flavor of how the universe has been designed and how it works and how it functions. The beauty and the life, um, the beauty of the life and the work of Jesus is that, that, that we know of through the Gospels is just a part of the beauty of who he fully was, right? Imagine um, what it'd be like if you began to actually explore the rest of the New York City block size store of Jesus. Imagine what kind of love and beauty we might find if we began to venture beyond the cheese kiosk into the vastness and the entirety of the Costco, right? Jesus, Jesus, Costco, and the beauty of the beyond. Like, there's more out there. It's not limited to what we see directly in front of us. Now, I want to show you another verse that talks about kind of going beyond. Okay, so uh, in in John, we see uh, the, the, the signs that here. There's many other signs that are not recorded. This is just a sample of a much larger story um, uh, of the life of Jesus. But there's, a, there's another interesting passage in Hebrews that talks about not, not going like beyond the works of, uh, like not going beyond the works of Jesus and what he actually did, uh, but talks about moving beyond um, the basic teachings of Jesus, which I find fascinating. Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. That's, that's a huge statement. That's a really huge statement. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment and God permitting, we will do so. So the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, um, we've got to move beyond the basics, right? Like there's these elementary teachings of Jesus that also we could say are a bit like the kiosks at the Costco. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 but there's so much more. That's where, that's where you get into the good stuff. That's where you can get a garbage bag size of cheesy puffs. That's where you can get <laughs> a pack of 100 socks at the same time. This is where you can get a five-gallon bucket of ice cream, right? That, th this is where the abundance and the good stuff is. And he says, let, let us move forward into maturity or move into completeness. And, and then he makes this list of things that really, if you, if you kind of like boil down the list and... and and look at what he's saying. It's almost like um, it, it's like this list is the place where a lot of people get stuck. And even today, although some of the stuff is not like directly um, parallel for us, um, what I hear in a lot of Christians today seems to be arguments about the very petty, basic things. Right? Listen to this list again. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. Well, are you saved at the moment of baptized or are you saved when you believe in your heart? Or, but what if you trip on the way to the baptism, but you said you believe, but you haven't been, what if you're not fully dunked? What if, and, and then 
entire denominations and churches argue and fight and are split on on issues like this or uh, instructions about cleansing, right? This is more having to do with the Jewish people and, and some stuff, but uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. How many people, how many times have you heard arguments and discussions? Um, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your view on the end times? Are you a pre-millennialist, an all-millennialist, a post-millennialist? When is the thousand-year reign, right? <laughs> how many times have you heard these conversations? How many videos do you see online where people are arguing and debating over this exact thing? When will the dead, when will we come back to life? What, and it says, and eternal judgment, right? Um, and then you hear people arguing over the, the, the ideas, the concepts of hell and, and is it forever or is it temporary or what? Like there's just, there's just endless debates over these things uh, amongst Christians that seem to fall in line with this list that the author of Hebrews says, let us move beyond this stuff. <laughs> it's almost like, okay, we get it, but there's more. Let us move beyond this elementary teachings because the teachings of Jesus are so much more beautiful than the little stuff that you're getting caught up on. And I love, I love how I love verse three in it. And God permitting, we will do so. <laughs> And God permitting, we'll do so. Oh God, help us! Is that what? He, is that what? Is that the? Is this the Bible's way of saying, "Oh God, help me"? And God permitting, we will do so. All right. So, so let, think about this, right? Um, people get hung up on all these things, they bicker and argue and fight. Typically amongst Christians, because here's the thing too. Um, you know, I've never heard, I've never heard uh, non-Christians, non-followers of Jesus fight and argue about uh, baptism. I've never heard them fight and argue about the moment that you are saved because they don't care or they don't know and it doesn't make a difference. And here's the other thing about it. Um, it really isn't up to any of us anyways. So, <laughs> so why are people spending and exerting so much energy in proving that what improving the point that they think is the most accurate, right? Like it's not up to you. You don't have that power. You don't have that authority. So you're spending a lot of time on something that you have no control over that the people that don't believe the same as you don't care about. How about we save our efforts and do something more beneficial? Um, so th there's these... Um, there's these teachings in the Bible, right, of Jesus, these parables. If you look at the parables, the parables are so incredibly deep. The parables speak to so much more. Um, so you want to talk about moving beyond the elementary teachings of Christ uh, and be taken forward into maturity? Uh, what about, like, the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, right, which, which most people, even outside the church, are very familiar with. Um, it often gets kind of taken towards this idea of like, you know, being kind to your neighbor. Like if you watch the news, there'll be like a good Samaritan story. Guy rescues cat from tree. Yay. He's a good Samaritan or somebody donates food, um, anonymously to a food bank. There's a good Samaritan, right? 
But when you look at that story, that story, the, the, the moving beyond aspect of the teachings of Jesus is like this teaching of Jesus, th- there's a much deeper thing that's within it. It starts with a guy asking the question of how do I inherit eternal life? Um, and then Jesus tells them this story about the guy who was walking along and then two priests or priests and a, um, is it a rabbi? I'm drawing a blank. Um, pass by him and then a third guy stops and help him, helps him and uh, then takes care of him. And that guy happened to be a Samaritan. So on the surface level, there's this story of, you know, like help those in need right? Uh, it's a story of roadside assistance. It's a story of um, look out for your friends or your neighbors or, you know, whatever. But if you if you do like a little bit of digging in the story, what you see is the Jews hated the Samaritans. And I don't know if we've talked in depth about this story or not earlier in the podcast. I don't, I don't care. Uh, it's still super good. The Jews hated the Samaritans. In fact, there's part um there's writings, uh, some ancient writings that describe the Jewish detest of the Samaritans. And this goes back to some stuff in their history where they weren't supposed to intermarry, but they did. And then the Jewish people, they, they used to be Jewish. They were a part of the tribes, but they intermarried. They became the Samaritans. And so the Jews hate, hate, hate them because they have defied the rules and the laws of God. Uh, in fact, there's a portion, um, I think, uh, in... Oh, gosh, there's a, um, there used to be, I don't know if there still is, I'm assuming there's not, there used to be time designated during the public uh, worship services at the temples where they, <laughs> where they would stand up and publicly like declare their, um, their disgust of the Samaritans. Like, so if you picture going to a church service today, you go through worship, you have communion, you have offering, whatever. And at some place in there, you slide in this, okay, now we're going to stand up. We're going to take time and take turns and stand up and scream out, yell out, shout out what we don't like about these kinds of people. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that in a church service today? And so what you discover is that when Jesus says, like, or when the guy asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and the, just double check that real quick. Um, yeah, because Jesus is talking about uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And they're trying to discover, trying to answer uh, who is my neighbor. Essentially, uh, uh, Jesus puts, frames it in this way that eternal life uh, is going to be found through, you know, loving your neighbor. Uh, and they're trying to sort through, well, who is my neighbor? Who, who does this extend to? And so the, like, if you boil this whole thing down, it kind of comes back to this idea that the, the neighbor is Jesus speaking of it, you know, is, uh, is the one you hate, right? Because the Jews hated the Samaritans. And when he finishes that story, he said, who is the one that's in the right? And the, and the Jewish guy has to say, well, the one who had mercy on him, the one who had mercy on him is the Samaritan who they hate. Right, so are you able to love those that you hate? Because this has something to do with loving your neighbor as yourself. This has something to do with eternal life. Now that, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? That's moving beyond an elementary teaching of just help people. Helping people is good, yes, but this goes so much deeper 
Is there anybody in the world today that you're struggling to love? Is there anybody that you see in the news or in the politics or in the current events in our world that you may find a bit of disgust for? Oh, you see how much bigger and deeper and wider this is? And do you see how much beauty could be found in the realities of us actually trying to do this? Or what about like the story of... Um, of, of something like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 13. Um, you know, the one son, this is another super familiar story, but the son takes his inheritance, which was a big deal. He takes it early. He goes off, he squanders it in wild living. Then he returns home where he's accepted with open arms. And we all love this story because we love the concept of uh, the, this idea of an unconditional love. It's a beautiful story, absolutely, and there's a lot to be gleaned there. But also, <clears throat> there's even a bit uh, for the son that stayed at home. The son who stayed at home, who ends up getting angry at his brother, who's welcomed home with so much love. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and if you read that passage, uh, the father asks, why are you upset about all this? He said, you can see the son is distressed that his father is showing love to the one who squandered the wealth. And it kind of comes back. Let me let me see if I can find that real quick. I wasn't too far from it. Um, uh, he says, so the son, the son who stayed at home. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property, uh, this is Luke 15. Did I say Luke 13? I meant 15. Luke 15, verse 30, who has uh, squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. Killing a fattened calf is a huge deal. Verse 31, this line is incredible. Um, My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Okay, so... The one brother who takes his inheritance early and then squanders it on prostitutes comes home and is welcomed with a fattened calf and they have a party because he was lost but now he is found. The other son, who's like um, essentially a stand-in for the religious people, we were faithful, we did the right thing, we never left home, but yet he's still a bit hot about the whole thing. And so the father says... um, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. So if you look at this story, the father uh, is providing for both sons, and he's making everything he has available to both of them. So whether they're the religious person who stayed at home and did the right things and had a really crappy attitude about it, or you're the the non-religious person that left and did your own thing and squandered all of the money and then you came home because you realized it wasn't good out there they all have access to all that the father is able to provide oh that's a much bigger story isn't it that's a that's a beautiful story that whatever side of the fence you're on the father is going to welcome you and maybe maybe the warning then is for people who are already a people of faith not realizing, maybe the warning is that that uh, that sometimes we fail to realize that everything the Father has is ours. Oh, I mean that's a that's a really beautiful story when you kind of get behind 
when you get behind some of this stuff, right? Um, or, or what about, let's just do one more just for fun. Like if you, if you look at uh, Luke chapter 14, the parable of the great banquet, um, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus begins to tell his parable, a certain man was preparing a, a, a banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But then they all began to make excuses. Um, so the servant came back and reported this to the master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys and of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant uh, went and did as was said. What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Uh, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And so the, like the, this parable starts with an invitation. Uh, the people who are actually invited refuse the invitation. So the master extends the invitation to the cripple and the lame of the area and they all come, but there's still room at the table. And so he extends the invitation even further to go, what did it say? Um, uh, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come into my house so that it will be full. So there's this idea, uh, Jesus tells this parable where the idea is there's this master who's preparing a banquet and the invitation keeps extending out further and further and further and including more and more and more people. And the house that he's inviting to them them into is big enough to hold and accommodate everyone. Right? So um, in a mindset of thinking that this whole like, uh, it, I guess it just speaks to the depth of the love and mercy and grace that God has for people and that the, like, the, the invitation of God to come into his house just keeps getting wider and bigger. It includes more and more and more people. Right? This is another incredibly beautiful thought. And yet what happens is, rather than um, using these things to grow maturity, to love your neighbor, to learn how to love those you hate, to, um, to learn to see everybody is in this category of the prodigal son or the son who stayed home, and that either way, God is offering like everything to everyone, or in the story of the banquet, where the extend, uh, invitation just keeps getting extended to more and more people. Like, these are understandings about the nature and character of God that are incredibly beautiful, but are things that go beyond the elementary teachings of Jesus. So even though it's framed in this like simple parable-type form for us to attempt to understand, the message is so much greater. So when, when Hebrews says, let us move beyond these elementary teachings of Jesus and move into maturity, not getting caught up on these little things that, these things that most people seem to think are in fact the end of the world or that, um, that people squabble and, and bicker over within the churches, let us focus on these deeper, richer, more beautiful things that will actually help us to step into maturity um, and then God help us, we will do so. God permitting, we will do so, right? So whether we're talking about like the miracles of Jesus or whether we're talking about the teachings of Jesus, um, what we see in the Bible seems to be 
like the kiosk at Costco. It seems to be like just little bits and samples of a much larger product, of a much larger store. And I think sometimes so many people get caught up in the kiosk. We camp out at the kiosk. It seems to me like um, much of the identity of many churches is the church is the kiosk and we're missing out on the rest of the store. And the problem then, of course, becomes you have a lot of people um, who haven't yet discovered the beauty of what's out there, that haven't gone beyond the kiosk and have, have made the mistake of thinking that the sample that they're currently tasting is the entirety of the store. Oh no, this is it. This one block of cheese is it. I don't need to go anywhere else. I have enough here. This, this block of cheese, uh, this, this sample of uh, chicken <laughs> is the extent of everything I need to know. This is what I'm, this is as far as I need to go because everything is right here. And I guess the place that I've come to and what I've read and studied and learned and what we see the authors of the Bible talking about if you don't, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. Uh, what the authors of the Bible are talking about is how this story keeps going, and the realities and the truth of Jesus moves beyond the pages of the Bible. Which again, I know makes some people uncomfortable with this uh, at this thought, but the beauty of moving beyond the kiosk, moving beyond the sample platter, moving beyond the cheese on a stick is that when you learn to see that there is so much more, what it allows you to see is like the truth that is everywhere. It allows you to see truth in all things. Um, you know, there's a, Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So if Jesus is the truth, then wherever we discover, tr discover truth, it's still true regardless of the source, whether you find it within the pages of the Bible or you find it outside and beyond the pages of the Bible, if something is true, then it is true. Um, like, for example, if you were to say, like, if you were to take something like math and numbers where it's it just is what it is, um, if Albert Einstein says two plus two is four, yes, absolutely. But what if it's like somebody you don't care for? What if, um, what if Hitler says two plus two is four? Does it make it any less true? No, because that's how it works. So when it comes to discovering truth in the world, if Jesus is the truth, uh, and if what we see in other passages of Scripture are like all things are held together through Christ, and there's one God who's over all and all and through all, then the I have we done a thing on truth yet? I don't remember. Um, then this idea is, and Jesus, uh, John, John says, like, this is not all the miracles. The author of Hebrews says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings, moving into maturity, right? And God permitting, we will do so. I think what this helps us to see is like, it's okay if you understand that ultimately Jesus is a truth. It's okay to discover the truths of Jesus beyond the pages of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I, I'm learning to see truth everywhere. I'm learning to see truth in, in even the weirdest of places. Um, there, there's this guy uh, that I drive past almost every day um, on my way taking the kids to school. And it's this old guy 
He looks like he's retired and he sits out in a lawn chair under a shade tree and he just kind of smiles and waves at people that pass by. Um, around the time everybody's passing, this is like prime time, like commute. This is drive time to work. This is hurry up and get the kids to school so you can get to work. And so there's like this busyness of this area. And yet in the middle of the busyness of the area, here sits this guy enjoying the day, smiling and waving to people. And I, every time I see that guy, I don't know a story. I don't know about him, but it speaks this deeper truth to me about, uh, about life, about what's important. It speaks to me a lesson even about like, what does it mean to be content? What does it mean to be still in the busyness of life? And so for me, that guy has become a source of truth every time I drive by him. That to me is this idea of moving beyond the cheese kiosk and stepping into the bigger reality of the entirety of the Costco store. Or even, you know, even just like watching TV shows with my kids. Man, I there'll be stuff. I mean, they watch a lot of dumb stuff that uh, that to me doesn't have a lot of merit. <laughs> but uh, we will watch uh, shows or movies together. And I can't help but see a deeper truth underneath the story that they're trying to tell. Because that's what I'm, that's what I like to do. That's what I'm hoping to do. That's what I'm trying to train myself to be able to see, to be able to see the truth wherever I come across it. Um, and so to me, when John says, uh, there's more that Jesus did, uh, it's just not recorded here. Oh, there's more. The story of Jesus moves beyond the pages of the Bible. When Hebrew says, um, uh, let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Jesus. Yes, there's so much more in the Bible. Yes, these stories are so much deeper. Um, but it also allows me to have this freedom, at least in my mind, to search and discover the truth of Jesus, regardless of where I come across it. And when you begin to understand that, man, there's a bunch of freedom in that. Man, um, it's like the whole world opens up. The whole world becomes this uh, flashing neon sign. And these little these signs are everywhere and they're all pointing to Jesus. They're all pointing to the Creator. They're all pointing to the goodness of what is. They're all pointing uh, to the beauty of God and that which he has created. So, Jesus, Costco, and the beauty of the beyond. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Don't be afraid to learn, to grow, to discover, move beyond the elementary teaching of Christ, right? Don't get caught up on all this silly little stuff that people, that Christians especially, normally seem to get caught up on. There's more, there's more, there's more. Keep looking, keep growing, keep expanding. Keep finding the truth of Jesus in everything because it's all there. Because, oh, guess what? Doesn't it say um, there's nothing that was made that didn't come through him? Yeah, so there's truth in everything if you look for it. All right. My friends, my family, mom, thanks for listening. This has been the Sneaky Emu, episode number 32, Jesus Costco and the Beauty of the Beyond. Um, my hope and my prayer for you is that you will move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will see the beauty of the truth of Jesus that is all around us. <sighs> and also, that you have a good day today.
All right. I'm sending you all the love in your general direction. God bless. And I'll talk to you later. We're here to unlearn. Teachings of the church and the state. We're here to drink beer. We're here to kill war.